Hello, friends. Last week, we introduced you to Ascent Nutrition's mold and mycotoxin-free organic coffee. Now it's time to check out their algae oil DHA. The benefits of algae oil DHA are incredible. It supports a healthy brain, memory, focus, clarity, and concentration, children's brain health, and a healthy development. It supports overall cardiovascular health, healthy DNA function, and a healthy inflammatory response. Algae oil DHA also facilitates quantum tunneling of electrons into the mitochondria for energy use. The list goes on and on. It also contains 250% more DHA than fish oil per unit. It's backed by at least 16 human clinical studies. Go check out all the benefits for yourself at GoAscentNutrition.com and use coupon code FKN to get 10% off your entire order. Back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today, my guest is Joshua Reed. First, I have a couple of announcements. Forbidden Knowledge News, always available on Rockfin, Minds, Odyssey, Rumble, and all podcast platforms. Check out Rockfin. This is where you get our premium content. And you get all the premium content and free content from every creator on Rockfin. And there are some amazing creators on Rockfin. Just go to rockfin.com slash FKN plus or click the link in the description. Check out our website, ForbiddenKnowledge.news. That's the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. You're going to find awesome podcasts there from our community like Raised by Giants, Inception, Ancient Gift, Going Down the Rabbit Hole, and many more. We have started production on the Forbidden Documentary, and we're hoping to hit the road this summer and possibly visit as many of you as possible along the way. Now, we can't do that without your help. Gas is pretty damn expensive. If you'd like to help in any way, you can go to supportfkn.com or click that link in the description. They also have a PayPal link. Any donation made through supportfkn.com, and you're going to get exclusive access to never-before-seen research on the JFK assassination from Corey Hughes. There's some awesome stuff on there, guys. Anything is greatly appreciated. Today, I want to welcome Joshua Reed. He served just under 10 years in the United States Navy. After his service, he ventured into the corporate world, eventually leading him to starting his own business. He then founded the Red Pill Project after an experience with information censorship and mainstream media propagation of biased and destructive propaganda. 
With over 25 years of study, practice, and teaching in esoteric and mystery schools, mind and body coherence, leadership cultivation, quantum physics, and altered states of consciousness, he is able to elaborate complex concepts into easy-to-understand models. He is the founder of Red Pill Project and host of Daily Dose of Conversation on the Fringe podcast. Joshua, welcome. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm excellent. It's great to have you on. Dude, I love what you're doing and the information being shared. All around, I think we're really in incredible times when it comes to discovery, self-discovery, truth, spirituality, and the seemingly perpetual shifting states of perpetual perception and our, our changing reality that shifts every day and every second, really. Uh, today, I want to attempt to touch on as much of the things I just said as possible and what's behind the state of our perception of what's going on right now. Uh, as you know, it's a never-ending onion. We're trying to get to the, I think, non-existent center, but uh, maybe we might find it one day. Who knows? This is your first time on. Tell us more about yourself and what led you down the path you're on well about myself i'm the founder of the red pill project i created that about two and a half years ago after being massively censored on every single platform imaginable uh hundreds of thousands of subscribers gone overnight three times and uh, we're on our our fourth rendition of that building it back up we're doing it through our own platform called red pill project um and uh you know about my journey man i i Joined the military at 19, did 10 years, just under 10 years in the United States Navy, had a lot of cool experiences, had a lot of unusual experiences. But my whole entire life, um, I've been a studier, student, and practitioner and researcher into the occult and the esoteric mysteries. That started in my early youth around the age of 13 with some trips on LSD. I uh, actually, my first book I've been working on for quite a few years is called Transcending the State, what I learned from over 150 LSD trips before the age of 18. Um, and it, it kind of expanded my mind into a whole new different category of thought, of, of imagination, of understanding. And uh, yeah, so I've been just kind of on this track. And then 2016 came around, Donald Trump, everything that came out of the election, and uh, I started realizing a lot of the parallels between a lot of the old conspiracies that we've heard from the from the multiple years, the Bill Coopers, the Jordan Maxwell's, the Alex Jones, David Ikes. And I started seeing that all this was really coming to fruition, which we always knew it was going to. We just didn't know when. So I jumped into it and uh, started podcasting about it and started reporting on it and then started doing the research and the investigation and started uncovering a deeper esoteric agenda that is really at play. Right on, man. Now, before we get to that, you you mentioned a magic word, psychedelics. It's one of my yeah. uh, one of my favorite topics here. Uh, it was a huge part of my journey, uh, and I believe bringing me to to where I'm at. Uh, I had profound experiences. I've gained profound insights. Made I would I believe just contact with entities, uh, and it really guided me down the road I'm on right now, I, I owe a lot to it. I want to know what you think it is about psychedelics and the way it affects humans and they're finding out it, it can help with depression, anxiety, all these benefits and these amazing things. What do you think that connection is to our consciousness that is so profound that really has helped so many people understand, you know, what's underlying uh, behind our reality as well? 
Well, this is one thing that I've actually thought about a lot because I've had profound experiences as well as you uh, on these different substances. And since then, I, I haven't taken a hit of LSD since the age of 28. Um, and before that, it was about a 10 year gap. But uh, um, I, I've given a lot of thought about this. And one of the things that I've been able to do is replicate a lot of these states without drugs through just meditation through various states of trans-like meditations, uh, not the transcendental meditations that you see out there, but some real legitimate meditations that you can find through various different practices, various different breathing exercises. And I've been able to replicate a lot of these different states of, of awareness. And what you begin to find out is that the world is not as it seems. Um, have you ever heard of the Silva uh, mind control method? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and Jose Silva was really on to something in the sense of what he was doing in his research and investigation. And what we come to find out is that your your beta brainwave state, the state that you're continuously in every day, is really a chaotic and disruptive state, it is a state of mind or vibrational significance that that really shouldn't exist. And it's kind of weird how we exist in the state. And our optimized state of brain is really this alpha brain state, which is that 7 to 14th hertz, hertz state, which is very, uh, well, actually matches the Schumann resonance, which makes a lot of sense because that's the same state that animals are in, in a natural state. So it's almost as if human beings are in a continuous altered state of consciousness, the beta state, progressively throughout their day, as if there's something on this planet, there's something being put out into the environment that is causing this disruptive state of, of mind, of consciousness. And what I think happens, honestly, is that psychedelic drugs are basically like, it, it's like taking that low E and then moving up, you know, five octaves on it, right? And so it, it increases the resonance of that note, but it does it at that alpha state, I think. So I think that if we monitor the brain waves of individuals under the influence of whether it's uh, DMT or the LSD or whatever it might be, is we're going to see that they're at a, a higher octave, higher vibrational state of that 7 to 14th hertz. So 21, uh, 28, so forth, and just keep on going up. And that what it does is it amplifies our conscious awareness within that optimized state of awareness that we normally should be in. And it gains us much insight and makes us more connected with nature because now we're actually operating on the scale of vibration that nature is actually operating on. And so this is why we have this deeper connectedness, as well as the astral planes, as well as all these other spiritual planes of existence, which operate most likely within that realm as well. Yeah, man, I think you're you're spot on with that uh, analysis there. Uh, we could go on forever with uh, psychedelics, but there's so much I want to get to. Uh, I want to yeah. know, uh, as far as your experience in the military, how where were you at in your spiritual journey with and your understanding of uh, the nature of how the military industrial complex works and uh, corruption and all of this. Um, I was very well versed, actually. So, um, you know, I, I was a 90s kid and I grew up listening to Coast to Coast AM and my my idols were David Icke and Bill Cooper. And I was the weird kid in, in, in high school oh, yeah. who would go smoke pot and talk about aliens and, right. and, you know, the world conspiracy, the new world order, the thousand points of lights, whatever it might have been. And so I became very well read during that time frame. 
And this is really where my journey began in the sense of the spiritual sense. Um, I realized very early on that uh, there was problems with religion. Religion derives from the etymological root of the word Latin root relegare, which means to mend back together that which was broken. And so if, if that's the case, then why do they always split religions up into denominations, right? So if you're bringing it back together, why are you splitting it up once you get it back together? It doesn't make any sense. And I realize that this is a mechanism of control. Um, I had uh, some some down points in my life around the age of 19. My, my father basically said, you're not living with me. I had a job. I was you know, a pizza delivery guy making pizzas at a pizza shop. And it just wasn't cutting it. I tried college, didn't work for me. I joined the military. And the reason I joined the military is because I wanted to get into the deep, dark, secret programs in the military. I wanted <laughs> to go. I, I did. I wanted to go in and get into right UFOs on. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, I went in. in uh, so on September, uh, September 7th, 2001, I went to uh, MEPS and I took what's known as your NFQT. This is your nuclear qualification exam for the United States Navy. Uh, and I passed it with flying colors. I got accepted into the nuclear program in the Navy. And they put me on a nine-month DEP, a deployed uh, enrollment program. And uh, that next week, September 11th happened. Wow. Yeah. And so I called up my recruiter. They got me in there and I said, I want to leave now. I want to go. I was just, I was hungry. I wanted to get out. And they said, well, we can't get you into the, uh, the nuclear program, but we get this other program that's just as good. And they got me into an advanced electronics uh, program, computers, electronics, uh, gun, missile, fire control systems, radar, communication systems, known as combat directory systems. Um, I got into that and uh, went to my schooling. Then I went to my first ship in San Diego, which was absolutely brilliant. And within the first 10 days of being in San Diego, I deployed to the South Pacific um, on a counter-narcotics deployment where we were supposed to be doing counter-narcotics um, and anti-human trafficking. Um, they immediately, you know, they distribute you in the military. So you have multiple jobs just because you have one job, you have multiple jobs. And I became a member of the visit board search and seizure team uh, went for my qualification schools and we went on deployment and um, I was uh, basically a security guard for the Coast Guard, Coast Guard law enforcement detachment. And it's really piracy what the Navy does out there. They're in international waters. So a U.S. naval vessel can't actually board another vessel in international waters. But what they do is they raise the Department of Homeland Security flag, which is a Department of Transportation flag which gives them jurisdiction with international waters. And that's why the Coast Guard actually goes out there and boards these vessels. But we, um, I had some bouts with uh, human trafficking and, and we, we found some kids in the middle of the ocean. And uh, it, it really changed my perspective on the world, on what was happening in the world. A lot of these things that I was reading about in conspiracies were turning out to be very, very true, that cartels were smuggling kids um, you know, from South America up into the United States through very, very wealthy people who would then purchase those kids. But the, uh, the scary thing was that we found this one barge full of about 50 kids, and they'd been out there for about two weeks, as if they had been forgotten about. 
the backstory is their parents sell them to these fishermen for about $250 after saving up for about two years. Uh, the fishermen take them, put them on a barge, and they take them now to waypoints that are usually within the 100-mile radius of the Galapagos Islands because no U.S. Navy vessel or military vessel can operate within a 100-mile radius of the Galapagos Islands because of environmental protection. But guess what? Drug smugglers can and uh, human traffickers can. And so they'll put them into this 100-mile radius. And those kids will usually be picked up by some type of boat that'll pull them into El Salvador, Guatemala, so on and so forth. Well, seven out of 10 of these barges are never found. That means that 50 Jesus. kids are, are on these barges. And these are open, open root barges. So you're, you're at the equator, 120 degrees in air, 140 degrees on the top of a metal ship. And there's no coverage. These kids were out there for two weeks, dehydrated, malnourished. A few of them would already, you know, and, um, yeah, it, it was a sad sight, and it really red-pilled me um, to the state of the world and what was happening in the world, especially with human trafficking. Um, wow. Then I had a few different experiences. I had I got to see my UFOs. I got to see some uh, some UFO experiences in the Navy, which was really cool. I actually was the, the person who discovered them, brought them to the attention of the ship, and the ship actually investigated it, which was incredibly cool. Um, but then they threw out all the stuff. And now, what did you see? What, 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 what was uh, what was the sighting? Yeah. So at this point in time, uh, when you're in the when you're in the Navy, you stand a rotational watch, especially when you're deployed. And usually it's about uh, 12 hours on 12 hours off or you'll have eight hours on eight hours off. I was on a 12 hour rotation and I was on the seven to seven. So 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Um, so it's mid watch. And so I'm out there, you know, looking at a fire control radar, which has a radius about 25 nautical miles i can see you know a five foot branch floating in the ocean about two miles away that's how accurate our radars are then we have a surface search radar 55 nautical miles air search radar about 250 nautical miles and so all my radars are clear i have nothing on target and i smoke during that time so i go out to have a smoke portside midship i'm having a cigarette and i'm looking at the horizon which is about eight to 16 miles depending on the clarity the barometric pressure all these different types how the moon all this stuff and I see a red light fly up off the horizon. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's an emergency flare. It must be some boat in trouble, right? So I go call the bridge. I'm like, hey, we got an emergency flare off portside midships. And they start looking at it with uh, what we call the big eyes, big pair of binoculars. And they say, yeah, we see it. We see it. And they go, uh, read. I'm like, what? And they're like, usually when a flare is shot, it begins to fall after it's shot. This thing's not falling. Get up here and get on your radar. So we get on the radar and we're trying to find it. And we couldn't get any contact on the radar. So we start moving towards it about 30, 30 knots. And uh, it's as if this thing moved away from us at 30 knots. And so we launched an SH-60 Bravo helicopter to go towards it, which is equipped with the FLIR, the infrared camera system. And... Uh, the helicopter, it starts moving away from the helicopter at the same velocity, about 120 knots. And eventually, it drops down in altitude, and the helicopter gets over top of it. And you just see on the FLIR, it's an infrared camera, you just see this big, massive light, just glowing red light. And it dips into the ocean and begins to submerge until it finally dissipates and goes away. Wow, man, that was pretty cool. Uh, I definitely want to get into the whole UFO situation and what I consider to be deception later on. Uh, but mm -hmm. before, what what other you were going to tell us any more uh, about any more experiences with the military? 
Uh, you know, no, not really. I, I've had some cryptid experiences, other UFO experiences, multiple different UFO experiences in the military, but never, never got into the good stuff. I met a few contractors for the federal government who did some interesting things, including one guy who designed the whole um, um, computer software system for underground tunnel transportation. And so all the trains that connect all these underground bases, I actually met the guy who designed the operating, the, tr the track switching stations, uh, the computer software for this. And this came out of a discussion on a plane uh, about Nevada. And he goes, oh, because I was flying to Las Vegas for vacation. He goes, oh, you're in the Navy. Are you going to the sub base? I'm like, sub base in Nevada? And he goes, yeah. And I go, there's no sub base in Nevada. He goes, depends who you talk to. I'm like, what? And I'm like, how do you get submarines to Nevada? He goes, the same way that we have massive tunnel systems under North America. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, does water erode rock over time? I said, yeah. And he goes, what do you think happens to the continental shelves after millions upon millions of years of saltwater erosion. He goes to become porous and those pores open up underneath and produce tunnel systems to where that oceanic water mitigates under the continents. He goes, you ever seen freshwater lakes? Do you know how those are created? You ever notice how there's salt beds right underneath them? It's because it's the ocean water rising, the salt deposits in the bed and the fresh water rises to the surface. And he goes, under the United States of America, under North America, there are tons of naturally formed tunnel systems. He goes, most continents are actually very, very porous and hollowed out. And he goes, we got bases under there. We have tunnel systems that connect all throughout here. He goes, but I probably shouldn't be telling you this stuff. <laughs> and then later on, I mean, if you, you know. Few years later, I learned about Phil Schneider. A few years yeah. later, after that, I learned about all these other, you know, the dumbs and these tunnel systems. And I'm like, oh my god, this this is this is real legitimate. And by the way, there was subs in Nevada. Wow, man. Oh yeah. man, there's 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 so many places that I want to go. But first, let's do this. Um, I want to get your understanding of what is considered the global conspiracy and its connections to the occult uh mm -hmm. when, whenever many uh i have quite a few researcher friends that they just don't want to go there they don't want to see that uh, there is spirituality involved in the decisions and agendas going on globally i don't even want to say spirituality but spiritual practices ancient spiritual practices whatever you want to call it dark practices uh something other than materialism and technology going on behind the scenes uh, there's people that just check out whenever you even introduce that to them but i think you're not going to get anywhere because all roads to me lead to the occult when it comes to all all of this stuff and i want to get your take on what's going on behind it well so i'm going to take about an eight hour lecture that i typically give and i'm going to try to do this um the global conspiracy is a massive massive topic um whether we're talking about right now or we're talking about the unfolding of it throughout the millennia um we obviously know that something happened in our past that we're not being told about. There's something going on on this planet that is far greater in expanse and that has suppressed our consciousness and our spiritual acuity for a very long time. Um, 
when we start looking at like uh, Astara, the Hitler's inner circle, the uh, the occult Nazism, when we start looking at uh, Rudolf Steiner, the stuff that happened before this, Blavatsky, um, Alice Bailey, the Lucifer Trust, Lucius Trust, um, Alistair Crawley, all these different things, Alice, Madame Blavatsky, Alistair Crawley, um, we start to see a trend line beginning here around the mid 19th century. And I think that's where a lot of the modern day occultism actually derived from. And I don't think that a lot of modern day occultism is real, um, real knowledge and information, but instead the very, very deceptive in its means. Now, occultism itself just means hidden from the eye. It's just knowledge that is hidden from you. And then it's externally hidden from you. And then you have esoteric knowledge, which is hidden inside you. Each one of these are meant to be discovered and uncovered. Now, one of the things that I have to talk about before we get into this, um, you go into Albert Pike. He wrote a book called Morals and Dogma. You might remember Albert Pike. He wrote a letter to Melissa uh, uh, Gillespie, the head of the um, the mafia at the end of the the uh, the 19th century. He was also very very affluent with the Rothschilds. And they talked about three various wars. This is what people know Albert Pike from. Albert Pike was the head of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, um, the Grand Lodge. He wrote a book called Morals and Dogma. In the book Morals and Dogma, he says some very specific things that I think people have misinterpreted throughout the years. And I think that when one of my things is when people look at information, you have to leave your belief system behind you. You cannot take in your current understanding, your current belief system, especially if it's ideological, into an understanding of information. And I think that this, in no offense to any Christians out there, this is where Christians get the occult and the esoteric wrong a lot of the times. If they look at it from the perspective of God and the devil, God and Satan, good and evil, and that is not the way to do it because the occult and the esoteric mysteries are simply tools of double-edged swords if you swung both ways. Okay. So Albert Pike said in his book, he goes, the real war on this planet is between Adonis and Lucifer, where Lucifer is the one true king. He goes, Satan is nothing but a fox, a fake ideological creation. So these people aren't Satan worshipers. They're Luciferians. And there's a difference between Satanic and Luciferianism. And this is the, the, the mystery that you have to uncover. What did Albert Pike mean by Adonius, which is Hebrew for Lord? It meant Lord. Lord, we can go out there. We can prescribe to Baal. We can prescribe it to Moloch. We can prescribe it to a lot of these various other entities. We can also prescribe it to Jehovah. Okay. This is the Lord. If you go back to ancient Sumerian text, now we can attribute this to Enlil. Okay. And all of these various characters in mythology are the same characters over and over. There's about 12 to 13 of them that are basically repeated through mythological context in very historical ages, but they add in astrotheological, astrotheology and cultural attributes into them. Um, so to understand really what he was talking about, you have to go back and start looking for this Adonis character, this Lord character. Well, we know that Lucifer means the bringer of light, the bearer of light, the morning light, the, the, um, the, the enlightened one, right? Okay. So if we take that in contrast, that means that Adonis, if we're looking at a duality would be the dark one, because this is what Albert Pike is saying that the Adonis, the Lord is the dark one where Lucifer is the light. 
So I started doing my research and I started going, well, let's just go back to Genesis. Let's go back to the book of creation, the, the genealogy of Isis. We can just say Genesis. And when we look at Genesis, we find something very, very interesting. And one of the things that I prescribed from the beginning in Genesis 3, God said, let there be light. And I said right there, that was the creation of God's first conscious entity. And I ask Christians, as I say, what is the creation of God's first conscious being? Does anybody know? Do you know? God's first conscious being. Yep. Many people say Adam, right? Uh, I, I would think that, but probably not. Who's his head angel? Lucifer. Yeah. Lucifer sits to the right of him on the throne. His first conscious creation is Lucifer. And he says it right there in Genesis when he says, let there be light. He, he takes the light and separates the darkness. So now we have light being separated into two. We have twins. This is the, the esoteric or the occult twin duality that's playing out here. And so right there in Genesis 3, we're seeing God creates two twins, darkness and light. But when we peer deeper into it, Adonis is the root etymologically where we get the word Adam. Now, the Greeks attributed the word Adam with material world, the smallest particle of the world. Okay. And then the word light actually derived from the word of soul or spirit, indwelling spirit. So when we start looking at this in a very, very occult fashion, what Albert Pike was really talking about, and this is where the twist comes in, is that atom, matter, material, okay? Matter, material. This is the worship of most religions today. They worship external deities, which are more than a reflection of the material world. Whereas Albert Pike is saying that he worships the spiritual world. And, and this becomes more and more prevalent, prevalent when we start looking at more of these mysteries. So Lucifer, the word Lucifer means the illumined one, it's light. Okay, what light are we talking about here? Are we talking about the light that's all around us? Are we talking about a different light? We have to go back to other various esoteric mysteries to understand this. There is the mythology of Athena. Now, Athena is one of the most unique mythological characters from ancient Greece for the reason that she had no mother. Athena was born out of the forehead of Zeus. She was born with the knowledge of all the gods. Athena didn't trust mankind with the knowledge of the gods, so she hid the knowledge. So Athena occulted the knowledge. By the way, Athena wasn't her name. They didn't know what to call her. So they named her after their primary city, Athens. But in Roman mythology, we start to see more translation of this character. She's known as Minerva. Okay. Minerva is the same counterpart as Athena in Greek mythology. But Minerva is symbolized by the owl. Now, today, the owl is one of the main characters that is utilizing occult symbology, especially by what we would call the cabal. If you remember Alex Jones infiltrating Bohemian Grove and the cremation of Cure, where they had the big owl, which represented Moloch. 
Can anybody out there tell me why Moloch is represented as an owl? Not one person. I can tell you right now exactly why. Minerva, Athena, doesn't matter. They hid, occulted the knowledge of the gods in the darkness. The owl is the protector of the darkness, the seer in the darkness. The owl is the one who held the occulted knowledge. This is why many ancient traditions look at the owl as the symbol of wisdom. Now, here's where the interesting part comes in. And this was a story that was taught to me by someone who basically ordained me into the occult. Is when you have the owl. Just like in Bohemian Grove, you remember Bohemian Grove, you had the big owl, you had the fire burning in front of it. Why didn't they use lights? Why did they use the fire? It's a big question that was asked. And did you notice that the fire cast a shadow of the owl on the back wall? Yeah. Now, the shadow of the owl, the owl's ears become elongated. Mm. They become horns. The shadow becomes the devil. The shadow becomes ball or bell. The shadow becomes Moloch. When you shine a light onto the owl in the darkness, the shadow becomes the deceptive one, the great deceiver. Now, the great deceiver, why is it the deceiver? Because the people who look at it perceive the shadow to be the knowledge from the owl. But that's not the truth because you got to remember what we're talking about here. Adonis and Lucifer, Adonis being matter or material, Lucifer being the soul, the light, the soul inside you. God created matter and soul, okay, consciousness. Now, can matter produce light? Yeah. All of the light of our material world is light derived from matter. Now, think about this. The light from the sun, the light from artificial lighting. All of this gets taken in by our sensory organs, which are electromagnetic in nature. The primary one being our eyes. Our eyes have rods and cones, which become electrically stimulated by the electromagnetic energy. They produce electrical impulses that go down your optic nerve to your cerebral cortex. Your cerebral cortex lies in the back of your brain, the deepest, darkest spot of your brain that's never experienced light in its existence. And your cerebral cortex goes out there and produces this tapestry of reality that you see before you. The deepest, darkest part of your brain that's never experienced light is telling you what light actually is. That's a great deception. That's the grand deception. That's the deceptive nature. We see this in many other different accounts in religion and philosophy, primarily Buddha. Buddha was taunted by Maya. Maya was illusion. Maya taunted Buddha so that he would come out there with what? with persuasion, with food, with women, with all these different things. Maya is nothing more than the false light of perception fooling your mind into believing that reality is actually out there. Another one is Solomon's Temple. You have Joshin and Boaz that are the cherubims that guard the entrance to Solomon's Temple. Solomon's Temple is nothing more than this thing right here. It's your third eye. The Holy of the Holies is your third eye, and there's a process derived through the understanding of Solomon's Temple to get in there. But the first thing that you need to do is you need to get through the doorway. You have to find the doorway. The doorway exists between Joshin and Boaz, your left and your right eye. And how does those two cherubim trick you? With trickery and illusion. Trickery and illusion. Your eyes. And so what we begin to see is that the deceptive light, the deceptive light of Lucifer that has been portrayed within Christianity, is nothing more than the electromagnetic light that derives 
from matter, the light that is all around us. Okay. So how should we look at the owl? What light should we shine on the owl? Well, that would be what the occultists call the light of Lucifer, the light of the soul. When the soul shines the light on the owl in the darkness, the knowledge appears. This is what Albert Pike was talking about. And he claimed that he was at war in battle with the Adonis, with the Christians, with the Jews, because they were the ones who had waged millennia of war on the occultic magicians. And so now we start to see this whole scenario coming about. Now, do I think Albert Pike was a bad guy? It depends on which perspective you're looking at. Do I think Lucifer is a good being? It's not a effing being. It's a conceptualization of an idea of mm. an understanding that within our soul is an infinite amount of information. And if you peer into the darkness of the mind and discover yourself, that spark of that soul, the knowledge will be brought unto you. This is one of the most secretive secretive teachings in the occult that nobody knows you get all these new agers out there who have been completely missiled by the mid 1900 uh you know occultic revolution that derived now this i believe was a grand deception we have blavatsky out there with all of her minions out there uh using mediumship to go out there and pull this information out of old ancient pharaohs and ancient masters. And they write these books and people believe that these books are true and real. They're not. They're most likely the manipulation by what the Gnostics would call the archons. Mm. And if you remember, the archons were shut off or locked away for 90 generations. The archons didn't exist in our realm of existence. They, they only could influence this reality, which tell, tells me they were multidimensional. And the archons, if you look into it, they would create the illusion very similar to what's called a virtual reality. And so the archons were shut off from this world around 2000 years ago. How were they shut off? The knowledge that allowed us to obtain those interdimensional levels was pulled out of the system. Athena, Minerva, they hid the knowledge from mankind. Now go to the Tower of Babel. Think about this. The Tower of Babel. Babel. B-A-B-E-L. Right? Two words. Hebrew. Bab means gate. L means God. It's the gate to God. The word Babel means nothing to do with speech. People are going to try to tell you this. Historians will try to tell you. It means nothing to do with speech. The Tower of Babel is the gateway to God. What do you know through your studies of spiritualism is the gateway to God? Right there. Right now, Babylon, the mystery Babylon, ancient Babylon. Okay, think about this in Revelation 17, and upon her forehead was the word mystery. Right there, who are they talking about? They're talking about the whore, the abomination, Ishtar. Guess who Ishtar is? Ishtar, Isis, Athena. Minerva are all the same goddess. Athena born out of the forehead of Zeus. Ishtar had mystery written upon her forehead. What did she do to be hated by the people of Babylon? She destroyed the temple. The god destroyed the temple. No, Ishtar 
destroyed the temple. She destroyed the sacred knowledge by hiding it, occulting it. Remember I told you is that these various stories have different cultural attributions. So when we look back at something that's very, very ancient, what we start to find out is this feminine aspect of our history hid this knowledge that was so pertinent to us that basically allowed us to be manipulated by something that was interdimensional and allowed our civilization to collapse to a large extent. And uh, we're actually, you know, David Whitehead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. David, good friend of mine. I had him on the other day. Did you? So we're doing the Mars Chronicles right now, and this gets into a lot of this other mythological context in the sense of Tiamat, Marduk, Babylon, what was happening there. Um, And so the story that I basically put together is that all occultism and esotericism is about our inner true understandings of who and what we actually are and our connectedness to the universe, our, our soul, our energy, our spirit that we have inside of us and the knowledge and tools to unlock it and utilize it for our own benefit and for the benefit of other human beings. And I believe that at one point in our history, in our culture, that we had this unlocked, that we were highly technologically and spiritually advanced, and that something happened, a fall from Eden if you want to call it that, happened, of which that all got turned off. And this is where all this mythological account of Ishtar, Minerva, uh, Isis, the veil of Isis, covering her face, hiding the secrets of the universe. Hermes opens it up, learns the secrets of the universe. Veil covering the face, third eye, Ishtar, mystery upon the forehead. It all starts to account towards this hiding the occulting of information. And we had many, many sages over time keep these flames alive. And I think what happened is, is you had the rising up of various organizations and brotherhoods, which would basically preserve this knowledge and then other ones that would come about and destroy them. Um, There's a, a great story out there about the Anunnaki in the sense of Enlil and Enki. When we start to realize that Enki is representative of the serpent and that Enlil is representative of the eagle, we get to track them throughout history. We start looking at all of these ancient pagan and indigenous civilizations that worship and represented by the serpent. And they were all destroyed by basically eagle religions or eagle cults. And we start looking into the derivation and people like, right, right, Christianity. Right there. The serpent is evil. The serpent is the one that tempted Eve in the garden. Okay. What does this really mean? The evil is not, the the serpent is not evil in any means or sense. The serpent is simply the inner knowledge hidden within you, the rising of the Kundalini, the rising of the spiritual energy inside yourself to that different vibrational context that we talked about before. Now, that also plays directly into this. Remember I said that Athena hid this knowledge from us? What if it was producing some type of genetic modification that took us out of the alpha state and put us into the beta state of brainwaves to where we could not obtain those higher levels of consciousness anymore? What if it was some type of device on this planet, like some upside down black pyramid up in Alaska that suppresses human consciousness and produces this beta wave for people to be in the state of consciousness. What if the only thing standing between you and me right now of attaining our heritage, obtaining our spiritual divinity is simply operating within the alpha brain state on a continuous basis, day in and day out and harmonizing with and resonating with nature. And that's the truth in the matter. 
And so this grand conspiracy that we're seeing playing out right now is to perpetuate this agenda. I think at some point in time, bad actors got involved, whether it was the archons, whether it was people that uh, are, are outside of that. One theory that I had, and this deals with all the whole Tartaria thing and starts to make a lot of sense, is that um, human civilization was highly advanced and spiritually knowledgeable, advanced on this planet less than 250 years ago. Less than 250 years mm. ago. All these old monuments, everything that we've seen, the whole World's Fair uh, buildings that were all put up, that was all existent on this planet. You know, there's, there's, there's pictures from early San Francisco when the first people got there, the first Americans got there, and there's these vast cities of stone. Mm. There, it's there. It, it's the Tatarians. It, it's all there. Okay, so bear with me. Yeah, go for it is one of my thoughts and theories, and this came about through watching Hollywood, right? Um, and understanding how they do release information, put information out there, is that humanity was infected by a parasite. And that very similar to the toxoplasma, that this parasite infects the human host, suppresses the consciousness, and is able to take over the body. And uh, I, I never believed that this theory could be true, but there's a lot of evidence coming out about this. Interesting enough is that Dr. Brian Artis, a friend of mine who's been on my show multiple times, came out with the whole serpent and the virus and the vaccine stuff, right? So there you start to see all of this stuff being relevant. Um, but this is my theory, is that humanity operated on a different vibrational context 250 years ago. Now, if you understand... Um, our vibration is an attenuation, is in a receptibility and a, um, a uh, transmission of energy between a relationship between us and the earth, us and the universe and the galaxy, so on and so forth. Now, here's the interesting thing. Here's 2004, the interesting. <laughs> 2014, a researcher by the name of Dr. Martin Blank, and anybody can go look this up, he wrote two papers specifically one was that dna is an electromagnetic transducer and the other one is dna as an electromagnetic antenna what he discovered is that dna was highly receptive to various types of frequencies and that it sends and receives signals dna receives signals and sends signals there's another study and report done out around that time not with dr martin blank completely independent that what if our dna evolved the way it did our genetic expression evolved the way it did because of influence through the cosmic microwave background radiation, the CMBR, which is supposedly left over from the Big Bang. Now, the CMBR resonates at about, uh, so it tops out on, it's between three the 300 gigahertz, but tops out on Earth about 34.5 gigahertz. Well, Dr. Martin Blank found out that our DNA resonates at about 34.5 gigahertz. It sends and receives signals about that frequency. Oh, wow. Huh, not a coincidence for me. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. What would happen if our DNA was manipulated? Would it stop resonating at that frequency? Absolutely, it would. What if the variations in blood type? Do you remember during the 1900s, the blood types, how yeah. the blood types, if you got married, you'd have to go get a blood test because right. your baby would be born stillborn. Right. There's a protein deficiency because of the RH factor that was added to the blood at some point in time. Mm. So now going back and putting this whole story together is what if there was a parasitic organism alien, I don't know, maybe, that was taking over humanity and it was infecting the blood and it was RH negative 
blood. So humanity, in one valiant effort to save themselves, genetically modified themselves. And when they did this by adding an RH positive factor into their DNA, they cut themselves off from genetic memory. They cut themselves off from their spiritual context. They changed their vibrational rate. And they produce all these variations of blood type. Mm. But here's the thing. Is only a few of the RH negatives survived. Okay, and this meant that the parasite could still survive only through those people. What do we call the rulers of the ancient world? The monarchs, the kings. We call them blue bloods. And they're all RH negative. Isn't that an interesting tidbit? <laughs> Yes, man. There's ah, uh, there's so many directions we could go, and you're only here until eleven fifteen. So we're gonna have yeah. to we're gonna have to do this definitely again soon. The, uh, I want to touch on a bunch of stuff actually, but uh, the first thing I want to go to is you mentioned. All right, so I think you're spot on with the whole uh, the reason that they're trying to keep us from knowledge of self and the kingdom of heaven is within and mm-hmm. our, our complete power as individuals and our the powers of, of our own consciousness and trying to keep that from us um, that I'm a hundred percent spot on now bring it to modern times with everything we're seeing the ramping up of agendas and I love the theory uh, the Tartarian theory of course that we could have been reset up to a couple of hundred years ago which is more becoming more and more plausible and it's adds a lot of uh, kind of it common sense to what is actually unfolding right now but let's connect the dots between what they're trying to hide from us these did that bigger picture that you just discussed to what is unfolding now and you said that there could be just competing factions some that are trying to preserve the ancient knowledge some that are trying to destroy it uh is there anything in between is there is it just like a royal rumble out there (laughs) i call it the war of the roses uh-huh. And what we have is what I call the multiple heads of the Hydra. John, Dr. John Coleman came out with a book in the 1990s called the Committee of 300. That is now expanded to about two to 3,000. Um, this is comprised of communists, of occultists, of Satanists, of Luciferians, of good people, of Christians, of people that want to see good for this world, of people who want people to just disappear. Um, making this translation. And, and so this is where I was headed. There's, there's a lot of things happening here, right? We have this vibrational significance. Now, do you know what an analemma is? No, I don't think so. I don't think I heard this okay. one. So in astrotheology, if you watch the sun increase in inclination one degree every day, and then you watch it de- declinate one degree every day. So we know that over 365 days, the sun moves up and down through the sky. And that this is actually the procession, or this is actually the cycle on the elliptic of the, the rising and the fall of the sun, the death and the birth, resurrection, December 25th, the rebirth of the sun, that this is the context of astrotheology. If you point, if you made a dot in the sky every day at noon, the sun would transit in a figure eight. Okay. At the top of the figure eight, you have the summer solstice. At the bottom of the figure eight, you have the um, winter solstice. In the middle, you have the equinoxes. Okay. And this is relative to any type of rotational orbit that occurs. Anything that rotates, you're going to still see this. I mean, Jupiter does it in the sky. Mars all does it. They all do these analemmas. The moon does it over a 29.5 day cyclic period. 
here's the thing I want to show you is if you went outside of our galaxy and you watched our solar system orbit the galactic center, guess what you would find? That it goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it forms this figure eight. So all the ancient calendars on this planet, when they were talking about the higher time, the grand time, what they were really trying to show us is that everything has seasons. Everything has points of potential, low energy and high energy. Now, this means that our solar system does an analemma, which has a summer, a winter, and two equinoxes. Now, what's interesting is we have black holes at the center of our galaxy, and this has everything to do with what's happening today. At the center of our galaxy is black holes. Black holes put out what's known as a discretion disk. This is a very, very um, large gravitational force that goes parallel out from its center. Okay, and basically the formulation of our of our disk galaxy formulates around this gravitational field where concentrations of mass and energy occur at that center parallel point. What this tells me is that the center of the galaxy, the arm of the galaxy, as we transit through it, we bob up and down in this figure eight shape. The center of the galaxy is incredibly dense. And it's incredibly dangerous and it's also in. In electrical context, it's impeded. And so this means that our transit, if we looked in a vibrational nature of the planet, the transit of the planet goes through various points of resistance in electrical connectivity. If there is a signal coming from the galaxy that our DNA is receptive to, right? Can something impede that signal? Absolutely. Will dense matter, gases, and, and energy impede that? Absolutely. And so we go through these various transits. In occult language, when they talk about the dark ages, when they talk about dark times or darkness, they're talking about this transit of our solar system through this galactic center. Well, guess what? We're coming out of this. The age of Aquarius is actually representative of our springtime in this motion of our solar system through the galaxy. And so we're coming into spring in the age of Aquarius. And they've known this for a very long time. We just went through 8,000 years of darkness. And we're coming into the springtime. Now, what does this mean? That means that the vibrational levels of humanity is going to begin to increase. People are going to begin waking up. I, I like to utilize a radio station to talk about this an example. Imagine that consciousness, evolution of mind was on a frequency base, okay? And that we all picked up the radio station 103.5. Some people are like 99.2. Those people, they're just, they're gone. Some of us are at 105.3, 107.5. And we've been sitting here for the longest time going, you guys can't see it. You can't see what's happening in the world. You can't see everything that's unfolding. The people 103.5 are like, you guys are crazy because the earth during that time was resonating at 103.5 as well. Right. And they're sitting there going, you guys are crazy. We're like, dude, you can't do there's energy. And there's like, you can heal yourself with your mind and all this other crazy stuff. And they're like, dude, you guys are whacked. Right. But all of a sudden we start moving out of this darkness of the galactic center and we start increasing our vibrational rate of the planet. We start decreasing the impedance level of the galactic center. And the vibration of the earth starts moving to 104, 105. And we're sitting here going, I told you so. I told you so. Those people, one or three, five are like, what the hell just happened? This makes no sense at all. The whole world is chaotic and confusion, right? This is the state of the world right now. This is exactly what's happening.
Well, these rulers, these self-proclaimed elitists and rulers, they understand this process and they understand that we're moving into what I would call an evolutionary optimization period within the universe. The universe as above, so below always does processes the exactly the same, no matter what level of existence that you exist on. That means that evolution is a naturally occurring phenomenon within the universe to evolve consciousness to a higher level. And humanity just went out and is now starting the springtime where the seeds are planted to begin this new point of conscious expansion to this higher level of existence. These people know that. And guess what? They want to retain their power, their control, their authority over humanity. So they begin implementing this plan about 200 years ago to subvert our rights, our freedoms, and their liberties, and to take over mankind. Now, what's interesting is the symbology behind all this, and I call this the slave matrix, but the symbology of the number eight represents beyond God or that which exists in the depths beyond God. And the, the analemma is in figure eight as well. The infinity is that meta is actually represented by the letter eight. Metatron, Metatron's cube, we all heard about all this, right? So when we start to get into this, we start seeing these occult practices that are operated by these elite because they understand the higher time. They understand the rituals. They understand that a symbol is a representation of energy, of thought, of mind, of ideas. Okay. Now think about this on the quantum level, on the quantum level, an atom an electron, an electron field. I, I don't believe in the atom. I actually, I went to school, CU Boulder for three years to relearn physics, to come up with a whole theory that I learned from occultism on what our nature and state of reality and consciousness actually is. Um, so I don't believe in the particle atom. I believe in the vibrational oscillatory nature of the atom. But what the atom is, is a potential of creation. It's a potential of an idea of a thought that's something that can become manifest. When we apply that knowledge to a symbol, just take any symbol, whether it's a real physical object, like a talisman or something like that, or whether it's a symbol we write on something, that symbol represents on the quantum level, the mind energy, the thought information that is put into it. As more people begin to put energy into that in a ritualistic fashion, that symbol draws more energy energy and opens up what we call a magical current. These magical currents basically allow us gain the trust of the universe and they allow things to happen and manifest and influence reality at a faster pace. This is the whole basis of practical and ritual mass hmm. magic that most of these people have no effing clue about. Okay. But a symbol is a quantum representation of a future potential of which can be manipulated or influenced by a state of mind. The more minds that focus on it in a ritualistic fashion every day at five o'clock, every day at five o'clock. Why? Because you're creating a sequence of vibration. You're creating a frequency. A ritual is nothing more than a frequency that is repeated over the long stretch of time. Okay. And so these people utilize these things. For their own benefit. Now, Alistair Crawley, when you start getting into the Lima, Thelma, the Lima, whatever you want to call it, which is the religion of Hollywood, you start to see where this really deviated. He basically had uh, Kansu, this ancient pharaoh, come to him, open up a channel of magic, and they started giving sacrifice to have the magic happen. Now, I just told you, magic doesn't need sacrifice in order to happen. Magic only needs thought. 
focused thought, attentive thought, okay? And more people that come and do that attentive thought on a ritualistic basis, the more powerful that magical channel is going to be. That's why Christianity has the magical power that it actually does because of the amount of people that give their thoughts or energy, their attention, the prayers, all these things, the rituals to it, it brings us about. It goes for any religion, Buddhism as well. Okay, so the Lima comes around, they start doing this ritualistic sacrifice. This is where the birth of Satanism actually comes in. And Satanism is really just, uh, it, it's, a, it's, it's kind of like modern day Catholicism in the sense of the real Christian mysteries. Um, it, it has no relevance and it's a complete blank ideology. It's based upon um, some, some minor tenets of Luciferianism, but Luciferianism itself is nothing more than a spiritual practice of understanding the soul. And that's been perverted by religions, the ego cults, so forth. Okay. So in April of 2021, do you remember when Ramsey the third got a passport in Egypt and was moved from their resting place in the new yeah. kingdom to the museum in ancient Egypt? They had that big parade. Mm. I'm a hope tab Ramsey, all of them. Right. Yeah. Okay. That was April 21st, which is an interesting date especially when you start talking about occultism. Okay, nine months later, the human gestation period, nine months later, important number, the King's Road opened back up for the first time in over 2,160 years. What's interesting about that number, 2,160? That's a processional age. Now, the King's Road goes from Luxor Right, the the Karnak, okay. Now Luxor and Karnak used to be one city known as Thebes, right? Thebes was Akhenaten or Amon Ra, okay. Amon Ra is nothing more than Enlil, if you want to look at it in that context. So Enlil, Enki Enlil again, okay. But so it, it's also Osiris. Amun-Ra is Osiris, so the rebirth of Osiris. Okay, Osiris is represented by the star Cirrus. The star Cirrus is at one point, or 17 degrees declination. Okay, King's Road is 1.7 miles long. If you watched at the Temple of Karnak, the sunrise on the spring solstice, or on, on the winter solstice, the sun would rise right over the middle of the temple. If you watch it, oh, sorry, at uh, Luxor, the Temple of Luxor, on the winter solstice, the sun rises right over the temple. On the summer solstice over Karnak, the sun rises right over the beginning of that temple. And so what we start to see is ritualistic magic going on here. Now, what did they do? Akhenaten or Amun-Ra, not Akhenaten, Amun-Ra, okay, was the old kingdom of Egypt, the old kingdom Thebes was replaced by the new kingdom of Egypt, his lineage, Ramsey, Amahotep, all these people, which changed the city's name from Thebes to Luxor and Karnak. And what did they just do in April? They put them the rest. They made that long 1.7 mile journey and put them the rest in a museum because they're putting the rest, the new kingdom of Egypt to usher in the new guard. The new kingdom of the new age is what they're ushering in right now. And this is where all this symbology and occultism is coming in. And this is why they're doing all these ritualistic aspects of it. This is why you had the astral world symbology. This is why you have the birth of the metaverse. And so when we start looking at this, 
is they are planning on basically in this this gets freaking deep and are we on youtube uh we will be uh, just a clip on youtube <laughs> okay okay yeah. good so this is there, there's more here but so there's something known as a slave matrix and it's a docuseries i'm working on I'm a little behind on it because we're doing the mars chronicles um but Astroworld, taking everybody into the mouth of Ball. Ball is the deceptive light, right? Hiding knowledge from people. This is what their metaverse, their meta world actually is. But the first things that they have to do is they have to suppress something within our bodies. Now, we're beginning to basically vibrate at a higher level, which I think a lot of that genetic manipulation that was done to ourselves to hide ourselves from this parasite is being undone, okay? And that... Uh, there's a gene inside your body, SLC18A, okay? Um, I had Dr. Dean Radin on my show from the Institute of Noetic Sciences. They studied consciousness. Um, he was talking about back in the 1980s when he was at SRI, they tested people's genetics to see if they were more affluent to have psychic phenomena than not. And what they found was this one specific gene that was expressed in people that have had paranormal psychic experiences, UFO experiences, as well as believed in God. This gene was coined the God gene, SLC18A. Now, there's a pathway in your body system that actually expresses this gene. It's known as VMAT2, V-M-A-T-2, okay? Now, it's upregulated by something known as acetylcholine receptors, ACE receptors. What does the virus attack in the lungs? Your ACE2 receptors. As well... What does the spike protein in the vaccine downregulate in the body specifically? Your ACE receptors. If you downregulate that ACE pathway, it downregulates that VMAT2 pathway, which allows that gene not to express. How many people you know who were vaccinated and said that, I feel like I've lost my spiritual connection, my connection to God. I feel clustered. I, I, I can't think straight. Well, didn't Bill also, Bill Gates also give a TED talk about this specific gene and trying to extinguish it in people? Yeah. Yeah. And this is exactly what's happening with the vaccine. This vaccine was meant to de to de express that SLC eighteen A gene to draw people away from that connectedness to the universe. And I believe it has a lot to do with not our connected to the universe. I think that gene is probably like our tuning fork in our body, which attunes our DNA to our natural environment. And so they're trying to throw us into the metaverse, but the first thing they have to do is they have to make sure that we cannot progress evolutionary as a conscious being to the next level. Man, that is some ultra nefarious stuff there. Uh, and it's it you know everything that you said it's it resonates you know it's like this is probably what's going on um and uh, you know is there a, a solution it, you know i think the solution could be unfolding as long as we just don't participate right as as long as we don't pay attention to what they're trying to offer us that we don't enter the metaverse it is that right it is an offer uh we do have free will and we can choose to participate with this right True. And see, here's the thing is I've been in cryptocurrency for many, many years. Um, I understand the metaverse fairly well. I've, I'm actually, I work as a consultant with companies 
and organizations to help them understand the technological path that's being made forth. Um, it's not about stopping the metaverse. It's not about not going into the metaverse. Life in the next 20 years, you're going to have to enter the metaverse in order to do some parts of your life. Mm. The thing is, is the difference between centralized and decentralized. Decentralized blockchain, cryptocurrency, and metaverse is what you want. And the way it becomes decentralized is by more people getting out there and getting involved in. I teach crypto masterminds. I, I teach people what crypto is, what blockchain is, what the metaverse is. But I teach them how it should be right and how it needs to be done correctly and right. Mm -hmm. And so what they're trying to create is a centralized one where they're in control of it. It, where only a few corporations control all the data flow, they control all the data analytics, they control all the people that go in there and the manipulation there of, excuse me, there of, of those people. And, and that's not the world that we want to live in. And, um, you know, their agenda is progressing. It's moving forth. But I think that there's a lot of things happening that uh, have put a damper to their agenda that has caused them to speed up their agenda. I talk about it as the unfolding global conspiracy. Um, in that what, so I do a show, my daily dose show, which is kind of like geopolitical in nature, but we talk a lot about what's happening in the world and what I've been calling for the last two and a half, three years called the global firestorm event. And that's how these people, these elitists, these occultists that are trying to basically put people into a slave matrix, digitally controlled prison, uh, will stop at nothing to retain power. And that they will scorch the earth, they'll crash the economy, they'll make everybody in the world homeless, sick, poor, hungry, and begging their governments for a solution. And that they'll even start World War III over it. And everything that I've said in the last two and a half years have come true. And that's the scary part. The good part is that what I said came true, because that means that we're, we're right about what's coming next. And that means that humanity is awakening. We're in the midst of the Great Awakening. The Great Awakening... Is, is a revolution of consciousness. It's a revolution of spirit and soul of mind. It, it's emerging and understanding uh, of the information that has been hidden and kept from us for so many years. Humanity right now is on the verge of a golden age, and we're going to have one whether they want it or not. Right. And uh, it's a brilliant time to be alive, man. Now, uh, do you see things overall getting worse before they can even get any better. Uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of more cards that they have to play. Um, I, I don't see them having this much stake into reality and not having, you know, more agendas to throw out there, you know? Yeah. So um, first I'll give it a little, uh, a little uh, analogy because this analogy helps people. So I do a radio show um, on uh, 1040 AM Western New York, and it's called the Dark Delight Show. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason I call it the Dark Delight Show. Um, here's an analogy for somebody. Imagine a seedling that is planted in the springtime when the ground is still cold. It gets pressed with immense pressure downward into the depths of darkness, in the coldness, in the loneliness. It becomes incredibly wet and cold and tired of its environment and starts crawling upward to remove itself from its condition. It goes through the depths of hell of darkness. Eventually, through its persistence, it pops through the surface and finally finds an inkling of light. The moment it finds light, something transforms inside of it. 
that seedling now immediately shoots upwards towards that light and begins to grow and expand in who it is, eventually blossoming into a flower. That's dark delight. And we have to go through the depths of hell, the dark night of the soul as humanity. We have to go through the darkness before this evolutionary process, because guess what? As above, so below. And I just told you what happens with a seed. In order for a seed to, make, to, to come into its beauty, into its blossom, it has to go through the depths of hell. And the same thing with humanity. And so what I've said is what's going to happen is what's known as the firestorm event. And, and the firestorm event is a sequence of events that happen slowly over time. And then progressively, they culminate to one major bat black swan event. Um, I said this November 2020 that this was going to happen. Um, and I said that this is what the way it works with them. Because we know their playbook. We know what they're doing. We know how they operate. We, we know their MO, right? Is that, number one, you're going to have political instability on your local, your state, and your federal level. Uh, the political instability is going to bring about a rise within rising crime rates. You're going to see a decrease in police funding as well as a decrease in police manpower. Um, you're going to see attorney generals start going out there and releasing prisoners at George Soros attorney generals. And this is going to increase the, the crime rates. The increase in the crime rates are going to produce the political instability within the local state and the federal level. This is the precursors to a color revolution. This is how we know that this was going to happen. And you need that destabilization of the local and the state levels in order to do the a higher level political destabilization. The next thing you're going to start to see is you're going to start to see uh, uh, cyber attacks becoming more and more prevalent, especially on infrastructure, energy, and transportation will be too primary. This was before the cyber polygon event was announced that I said this was going to happen. Then you're going to see massive disruptions within supply chain, the food supply chain, the international supply chain. That's going to produce massive disruptions within global GDP, which then you're going to have some type of massive financial event, which they're going to probably hyperinflate the dollar, debase the U.S. dollar currency and produce a massive state of inflation, which along with the supply chain crunch is going to produce a precarious situation for the United States where the political destabilization is going to be massively perpetuated. On top of all this, they're going to produce World War III, most likely between China Taiwan, Iran, Israel, and eventually Eastern Europe. Um, and that will cause further disruptions within the supply chain. And lastly, in the United States, because they want you sick, homeless, poor, hungry, and on the streets. And I'm a gun owner. I know a lot of people are. I lost mine, unfortunately, in a boating accident, but I know a lot of people are gun owners out there. And uh, the people that are gun owners, they're like, well, it's okay. I'll, I'll have my guns. Really? So what happens when you lose your house? That's the last straw of the camel's back because during COVID banks gave a point of forbearance for people who were losing their jobs or couldn't go to work. And so the forbearance basically was a short-term loan that would be added back onto your escrow balance that you'd have to pay back within two years. Donald Trump put a moratorium on that as well as Joe Biden Supreme court issued in August, 2021, that that moratorium had to be lifted and the banks need to call in those loans. Now the banks have not called in those loans until the start of January of 2022, but they allowed most people to stay in forbearance up till that point where they started calling those loans. So people owe now a hundred thousand, 60,000, $80,000 more upon their mortgage, which is another thousand, $2,000 a month that they have to pay. They can't pay it. 
as of last month, okay, sorry, as of February 2022, housing foreclosures in the United States were up 187%. As of this month, right now, they're up 237% foreclosures in the United States. You want to know why? Because of the housing moratorium, uh, because of the the mortgage moratorium that occurred. The banks are basically calling in those loans and people are defaulting on their mortgages as well as the spike in interest rates. People have varying and ballooning mortgages. They're losing their houses. People are going homeless. If you lose your house and you have 30 guns and 20,000 rounds of ammunition, you are not taking any of that with you because your assets will be seized by the state to pay back that mortgage and that loan. Yeah. Okay. So this is the big storm that's brewing right now. Now, I suspect that what we're going to see happen here, and I got a, a, a friend of mine whose buddy works at the Department of Treasury. He's a former developer in major blockchain companies. He actually works for the Department of Treasury. He said that we have eight months, that January 2023 is the end of the dollar as we know it. And the big financial collapse, the Great Reset occurs in this world. Um, and I said that in August of 2022, what we're about to see right before the midterm elections is you will see a, um, a stimulus come out from the federal government. It'll probably, it might happen in October, but I'm suspecting August, right before the new wave of the virus hits, that's going to take out all the vaccinated people who have uh, the... Uh, the uh, the autoimmunity problems right from the vaccine mm. so um august time frame or october i think it'll be october could be after the fiscal year and the government's going to go back to congress and say hey we need money to stay alive till december and it's going to be the one of the largest spending bills in the history of mankind that's going to be passed within this spending bill is going to be student debt loan relief student loan debt relief that's 2.1 trillion or 1.2 trillion right there. There's going to be a probably a $2 trillion stimulus for the American people, as well as money for Ukraine, because that's where they're funny, funneling and laundering the money. Yeah. And then on top of that, there's going to be the money to fund the government. And this is going to be the straw that broke the camel's back, but you're not going to see the repercussions of that until after November. So what that stimulus would do in October is it would stimulate the economy for about 30 to 40 days that gets the democrats through the next election so the economy is up and everything is doing well and businesses are doing well and people have money in their pockets and that means that they'll get be able to steal the elections and say they got more votes right right but after that happens is you're going to see the systematic collapse of our global economy of the united states economy and what we call a black swan event and dark winter officially begin right after november 8th and this is where the test of humanity comes in as a friend of mine has said, mankind or humanity needs to come to the precipice. And this is where the precipice will be reached within the next year. The precipice will be reached. Either we will lose our planet. We will lose our humanity. We'll lose what we are as humans, or we will win it back. Man, that's that's a hell of a note to end on. I know you have to leave. Uh, I, you know, do you have hope? Do you think that there is uh, there's a chance that this isn't set in stone, and you know, maybe uh, humanity can turn uh, the destination around a little bit? From what I've heard through back channel, and like, I, I'm not one of these people like, you know, I got. Uh, I got my my intelligent sources that are telling me this information, and I sit in my living room and have coffee 
on a Zoom call with Donald Trump and Q, right? Like those people, you can fucking throw them out the window. Um, they're, they're absolutely full of shit. And anybody who wants to tell you that's full of shit. Anybody say out there, I'm having coffee with Q. They're, they're full of shit. Cash Patel, Matthew Whitaker, Devin Nunes, and Donald Trump are not having coffee with anybody. If you want to no. know who Q is. Right. Uh, but is there hope? They can't, nothing can stop what's coming. Listen, you know it as well as I do that many of us have already been gin, begun the process of conscious evolution of this. I, I don't want to say ascension, fifth dimensional stuff. I don't yeah, get yeah. into the woo woo stuff. Okay. This is very scientific. I can prove this in the sense of looking at actual scientific evidence and information that's relevant today. This is what is happening. Okay. Is that our consciousness has already started evolving. You cannot stop it from happening. And that I think what's going to happen is you're going to see um, a, a chaotic world occur for a short period of time, mm -hmm. and then things will start to regress back to normalcy, and uh, we will enter a golden age of mankind. And I think that uh, some of these evildoers, these people will be brought to justice. I think that there is going to be some sort of justice done. I think that uh, I think there's more good people in this world than there are bad. And I think that uh, there's things happening right now and I can't really get too much information about it. But there's some things happening right now that uh, we have outwardly help. We have influence from other people, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. that are helping bring about this. And I'm not talking about Palladians and Arcturians and shit like that. But you you have the intelligence minister of Israel, the basically the same person as the head of their NRO, uh, the former one, come out and say that the Galactic Federation wanted to talk with Donald Trump. This stuff exists. This is real. I I, I have legitimate sources within these venues. This mm -hmm. stuff is real. There are beings, whether interdimensional, ultra-terrestrial, subterrestrial, or extra, I don't know. But they're they're trying to help us. They understand what's going on here. And they're trying to help us, but they cannot influence. They cannot come down here and make it happen. But uh, I think that uh, I think it works out. But you know, not at the not at the best of uh, millions of people dying, and that's the unfortunate part. Yeah, and uh, like you said, uh, unfortunately, that is a recurring theme, and and a lot of well versed uh, researchers that I've spoken to, but you know, uh, we got to have hope for, for what's to come after. And Josh, this was fantastic, man. This is great information. Uh, we're definitely gonna have to do this again for sure. Uh, before you head out, let everyone know where they can find you a red pill project, everything like that. Yeah, redpills.tv, R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S.tv. That is our primary site. You can find us all there. If you guys want to check out the Mars Chronicles, go to themarschronicles.com. That's with me and David Whitehead. That's a series that we do. Uh, we got some really great guests. We had Mike Barra on a few weeks ago and a uh, pretty cool show and series with him. Um, and then tomorrow, tomorrow night, no, 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 Friday night, you know who Ben Stewart is? Yeah, I'm having him on a couple of weeks. Yeah. Ben Ben is a good friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, he's the, he's a producer who's made a few documentaries, Esoteric Agenda, Chimatica, mm -hmm. which are two documentaries I recommend everybody go watch pertaining to what I've just said here. For sure. Um, but uh, he's going to be on Friday night in my show. Uh, he's like fifth time on, but he's an awesome dude. Uh, but yeah, uh, redpills.tv is where you find me and we're all linked up over there. Awesome, man. Well, like I said, this was fantastic, and we'll definitely have to do it again in the near future. 
Appreciate you, brother. Take care. For sure. Until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. We'll see you then.